0: welcome to dbp the drunk bitches podcast i'm jamie
1: and i'm sarah each episode we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip so let's get started but first pass the wine bitch
0: db peeps thank you for sticking with us through the end of another calendar year today we're gonna wish uh, a bye bye to 2020 thank god for that (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all ready for 2020 to be over and 2021 to start anew. Sarah is going to be popping a 2011 Priest Ranch Petite Syrah.
1: Yeah, I thought what better way to welcome 2021 than with a 10-year-old wine. There we go. (laughs) So, yeah, a friend gave this to me on a visit to Napa and uh, it is Priest Ranch. I've never had Priest Ranch wine. I don't know if you have, Jamie okay no. so um actually i'm not popping it open i already did oh, that's right because that's right. it's a 2011 and it's a petite Surat and it needs it needed to decant for at least an hour so i decided and i will post a picture of our little decanter here but i'm gonna go ahead and pour this it's been sitting in the decanter now like i said about uh, i would say an hour and a half probably okay, okay. All right. So cheers. I uh, I swear to God, I just smelled it through th- through my microphone. You did. You did. <laughs> it's like, I, it's like a, what is it? It was what like a call- phantom.
0: I don't know. It was like a phantom smell. I literally smelled red wine for a second. And I was, I was like... You're almost there, ooh, Jamie. What? You are
1: almost there. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, so, it looks incredibly like purple. Yeah. Well, Petit Siras is usually a very inky wine. And this yeah. is definitely definitely showing its ink. Uh it's 15.5% ABV and I'm going to tell you, it smells like that. So, um Smells boozy. It smells boozy. Oh, uh, so you mean
0: like a great wine to like drink away what me? happened in 2020?
1: <sighs> yeah, I'm just getting a lot of alcohol right now, so I'm just going to start drinking it, I think.
0: Okay. And that's another thing too. I think um when you pour a wine that's like pretty pretty hot, right, in terms of the ABV, like it can just like have a lot of esters that, that collect in that glass, so it might l- need just like a little bit of time for that to dissipate, so you can get more of the actual like fruit and other mm-hmm. characteristics on the nose.
1: Yeah. It's smooth. There's a lot of tannin at the end, which I wasn't expecting, um, but it's got deep, dark fruits, like like blackberry. I don't taste any oak, which this one is aged 15 percent in new French oak and 85 percent in neutral. Okay. Which I'm a fan of. I don't like the oaky taste. So I'm glad that it's not, you know, really oaky or anything like that. Um, and it was aged for 24 months. And this is 100% petite mm. Syrah. It doesn't have anything mm-hmm. else blended in. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's nice good. varietal. It's really like smooth, a very smooth wine, but it you can, t- you can tell it has a, it's hot. It's got a high, you can tell even from the taste, there's a high I can like feel it going down my throat. It's like warming my chest. Um, I won't lie. I do
0: really love wines like that.
1: Yeah. No, you like are definitely getting your money's
0: worth, right? You're like, "Mm, yes, I can feel this just coating my insides.
1: Yep. That's exactly what it feels like. Speaking of money, I think this is usually around probably a $45 bottle of wine. Okay. Um, although I don't think they make petite store anymore. 2011 was their sixth vintage. Um, I do have their cabs. I haven't opened them yet. Um, oh, and you, you actually, did you say that you got this from a friend? Yes, you did. Yes. You got this one, all of these from a friend who went out there, Yep. which is so nice and so so generous. (laughs) He just delivered four bottles of wine to my house. I was like, cool. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. But priest ranch, I mean, Part of this, I thought I was kind of being funny in my head because I was like, oh yeah, it's 2011 and like we're going into 2021. So like there's that. And then I was like, and we kind of need a priest to get through this year to like move on and like get all the evil stuff out. So get uh, all the shit. Yeah. So I was like laughing in my head. I don't know if it's that funny out loud, but you know, um, (laughs) I mean, or a rooster, right, Sarah? Black yeah, rooster? Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. We'll
0: talk about that we'll in the future. We'll talk about one. that one day,
1: yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, a few things about, oh, this was made. Uh, yeah. It was six days cold-soaked and then 18 days of indigenous fermentation with that max like a maximum of 82. Of, yeah. Seems like
0: a lot of days for a cold-soak for a tannic wine anyway. Yeah. Like Petite Syrah has a lot of tans in the skins and the cold soak is meant to extract more and extract more color. So that's an intense decision. All right.
1: Yeah. They also did aerated pump overs twice a day. And then when fermentation was complete, the tank was drained overnight to capture the wine's concentration. It is a concentrated wine for sure. And they did have some malolactic fermentation that occurred naturally in the bottle. So, it was bottled unfiltered, which I I like that. Um, so it's Napa Valley, They're, the Summerston Estate varietal. So they have um, a portion of Priest Ranch and the Summerston Estate, which is I think their sister wine. So
0: okay, and yeah. I do see here that it it does specify only free run juice was used. Yeah. So that's like the stuff. It's like a dream. Like the moment they like throw the grapes into the crusher de mm-hmm. like it's the free run juice. And it's like you don't press it. It's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. That's like considered like the best because the press, the press juice. That's like when you know everything's kind of like run its course, and they've collected it, and then they take this extra stuff and really kind of squeeze out using bladder press or something like that to squeeze out, and you tend to get like way more tannin on that and way more concentration. And so I think that press juice is generally used to just like add like little touches of flavor or structure. To other wines, but that free run juice—that's like that's like your Golden Goose, I think.
1: (laughs) I'm drinking some Golden Goose over here. Um, (laughs) uh, A little bit about Priest Ranch. It was established in 1869 by James Joshua Priest, who was a gold rush prospector. So it's been around for a long time. Oh my God! I feel like this is so appropriate. Yeah. Uh, In 2004, um, they also purchased a 660 acre property and combined it. So they, they basically have, now they have 1,615 acres and they have 230 acres of producing vineyards in 15 district sites. So they're actually located in St. Helena, um, which is a little more north. Yeah, they've got microclimates, they've got varying elevations, so very diverse. the winemakers, the winemaker is Craig Becker, and they believe that great wines are a reflection of the land itself.
0: I think a lot of people believe that. <laughs> that terroir yeah. driven you know piece right
1: yeah so the priest part was actually this guy's last name it wasn't actually that he was like a priest or something who started
0: it. uh you never know i mean maybe way back when they were a priest it was a priest yeah. in the family and that was why the last name was that all right and so then just quickly about petite Sirah because it has been sarah it's been like a a while a real long time since this we've was the only petite
1: sarah i had in my collection too I don't have any other You know
0: ones. what? I have a Gamba Petite Syrah.
1: Oh, oh, wait. I lied. I do have
0: that. Did you buy that too? It was yeah. from a tasting,
1: right? Yeah. it's That stuff is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't wait to crack it. I know. I was really tempted to maybe open Gamba this time because I felt like maybe we need a unicorn to bring in 2021. But <laughs> Well, we can do, yeah, we can see where that goes and, you know, maybe reserve that (laughs) for another fun. I think I, yeah, I think I have five bottles and five or six bottles of Gamba in my Damn,
0: That's the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, all
0: right. So petite Syrah, let's recall, like it's, it's small berries. Yep. That's true. But it's not like a baby. It's not a baby Syrah. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, they're they're related, however, related,
1: but they're, totally different.
0: Yes. So um, Petit Syrah is known for its like real heavy body. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very full-bodied wines, really alcoholic, mm-hmm. really, really tannic, like high on all of those scales. I'm getting all of this. Um, all of this. Um, and then in terms of acidity, it generally is more of medium, I think, like middle of the road acidity levels. It tends to be like we talked about, like super deeply colored that has a lot of black fruit flavors and tannins. It sometimes has a super aggressive tannic profile. And so because of that, it's very similar to, I think when we talk about Cabernet Sauvignon, which, you know, I think you said that you also have Cab from here too. Those really high tannic wines are going to pair really well with like fattier foods or umami driven dishes. And so I think that, that, you know, when we talk about that, usually like high acid, high tannic wines are going to be best served with those fattier dishes. So as we're getting into, you know, comfort food season, I'm just going to
1: offer that. I feel like that's going to be a really good uh, option. Yeah, it is a very winter wine, you know, like I couldn't imagine sitting out in a hot summer day drinking this, you know, it's got weight to it. Something else about Petite Syrah is that tannic profile does level out with age, you know, given that this is a little bit of an older wine. I, I do have some tannin on here, but it's not as much as I think if it, it would have been if it was younger.
0: Okay, so. Yeah, that's a really good point. And may, so maybe like you're drinking it at a prime time. We tried looking for vintage charts and trying to see if we could figure out like if there's like, if this is the peak time to drink the 2011 Petite Syrah for Napa, but um, we couldn't really find anything readily available. And that's why they also say too, I think, to decant these really highly aggressive, like tannic wines, because that mm-hmm. kind of lets it dissipate a bit too. Yep. Yeah. Um, it. I will say in Wine Folly's book, um, they do mention that you can cellar it for like five to 15 years. So you I, might be hitting that sweet spot.
1: Yeah. No, but it's right. just for a long time. Yeah. It's crazy. I didn't really know that, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not what you would typically think is like your age of a wine, but it is. So, you know, sometimes I hold on to wine and I'm like, oh man, I need to drink this. (laughs) It's going to go bad, you know, but thankfully I don't think this was the case with this one. No, that's good. That's good. Um, And
0: then it is primarily found in the U.S. Probably like 80% is found in the U.S. And then we've got Australia, Mexico which is surprising to me. Chile, a little bit of South Africa, a little bit of Brazil. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So tend to get like, again, blueberry, dark chocolate, black pepper. I get black black pepper. Yeah.
1: Black pepper. But I get blackberry, not blueberry. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think just any of those dark berries are certainly, and it might be driven by, you know, again, where it's, where it's grown. Because I guess it's grown, you know, Napa, Alexander Valley, and uh, Paso Robles, which gets a little warmer too. So
1: taste, taste the rainbow of, (laughs) of your berries. Exactly. Yeah. It looks like squid ink in my glass.
0: (laughs) Maybe you yeah. should drink it with, along with some, like, squid ink pasta or something. Oh,
1: I do love some squid ink pasta. Wait, are I you think, serious? Yes. I've never had it. Oh, God, I've it's seen so it. good. I had it in Italy, and I was, like, in heaven. Yeah, no, that stuff is amazing. All right, anything else I mean, on, on the wine? I think there is some dark cherry on here and a little spice, but it's smooth. It's It's, you know, it's unique. I don't think it's, like, and it's not a cab it's kind of doing its own thing. It's kind of being its own, being its own person, wine person. <laughs> its own boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fruit forward in the beginning, but it's like dark fruit forward. It's a serious wine. And then you, there's like that tannin that kind of levels it out. And like I said, you know, it's an alcoholic wine when you're <laughs> drinking it. Is this, a, is this a purple teeth wine? Probably. Probably. Yes. I feel yeah, like Syrah petite Syrah are generally tend to be those. Yeah. Yeah. But Syrah mm-hmm. is much lighter, right? So like this, I feel like is, I Syrah? mean. Syrah? I think yeah. Syrah is like bold as all fuck. Like- I, I don't know. <laughs> Syrah to me seems like a lot. Um, oh my God. I just want, I'm salivating seems, right now. This seems so much more heavy bodied <laughs> than a Syrah to me. Oh my God. So, I'm literally salivating thinking David, about David. drinking
0: Syrah. <laughs> it's like ridiculous.
1: You know, we have not had a Syrah on this podcast before, which is crazy to me because we both love Syrah. And I so know. I can't believe that we haven't done it. So it is on our list. We will be doing that. And I I mean, I like I like Syrah. I like the spice to it. I'm I'm am a Syrah fan. I but do love Syrah. This is this is not Syrah.
0: K Sarah, Sarah. We'll do an episode yeah. called that in the future. Let's get into our year in review.
1: Yes, Sarah. let's do it. This so, is unlike any other year in review. review I think we've ever, or anyone has ever done.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a year that most will not easily forget. I, you know, I think that there were a lot of negative energy, negative things that happened, but I, I hope that people are still able to take away some of like the silver linings that occurred in 2020 and some of the positives, because, you know, it's, it's certainly easy. They say like, what is it? Um, God, I'm trying to think of like the quote, but it's, it's something along the lines of like, you know, for, for all of like, for 10 good things, one bad thing, you know, can kind of an overshadow all of that. So hopefully people take a moment to just kind of reflect and think about like what actually did come out of 2020 that was positive. Sometimes you just have to put a creative spin on things in order to find the silver lining. thought maybe we could take a page from John Krasinski. I don't know okay. if you ever
1: watched this uh no. SGN,
0: Some Good News. Uh-uh. No? I haven't. He, So
1: earlier this year, he, uh,
0: and for those who don't know, John Krasinski was, uh, he's an actor, but he was, I think most notably known as Jim Halpert on the office. He is also Jack Ryan in like the Amazon, uh, TV show Mm -hmm. or the Amazon show. And so, um, he decided to just like start doing YouTube shows. I don't know, like 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes long and just saying like, let's do some good news. And he'd just sit there in his office. His daughters like made his posters and stuff. And he literally just found positive articles and positive things that happened in the world and just shared them with people because he was.
1: Cause the news is so negative all the it's time. Very, it's
0: very depressing.
1: Pre- forget 2020. The news is always negative. The,
0: exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so this is the thing that like, I mean, he, he did it and it was just like, it was stupid kind of like how profound it was but again it's like because oftentimes you know people like i don't know i also think that you know many people can't pass up a train wreck or like looking at something i mean i was in target and there was a a fire fire truck and an ambulance parked outside with the lights going on and a stretcher inside target and i was like what just happened but people can't not look right, right. they can't not pay it's attention it's human nature to that. it's human nature but it's also i think that we uh, We are like weirdly intrigued by the morbid. And so I feel like the news is just kind of like suctioned Mm -hmm. onto that, that idea. So let's take a step back and thought we could maybe talk about some positives, some silver linings that have come out of. Sure. uh, I mean, I think,
1: I think this year is going to go down in the history books for sure. You know, we don't have to repeat. Obviously everyone knows about the pandemic and the riots and the election and all that crazy stuff. But yes. We can focus on the positive things that came out of that. So, what do you got for me, James? One thing that I thought was really
0: cool a lot of restaurants, I think, started to partner with different communities and different organizations to broadcast some of their secret recipes Ooh. so that people who maybe couldn't go out to their restaurants while they were shut down could start to bring some of their favorite flavors back at home. I participated in the food and wine. Event. Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was in August. And they had some outstanding chefs, like winners of like Top Chef and stuff like that, providing free recipes and food demonstrations for how to make some of their very unique dishes. It was very, very cool. And so I think that that is a benefit because I think it also got people not only to give them the flavors that they really enjoyed, but also gave people an opportunity to kind of experiment a little in the kitchen and maybe try something new, maybe create new bonds with their family members if they have any that are at home with them. And so, yeah, I think that is one of the coolest things uh, because most people are like, no, it's our secret
1: recipe. We can't, we can't divulge our secret, but yeah. And I think you touched on something, you know, that we'll talk like, we'll just kind of get into it now, but you know, I feel like families obviously had to, you had to really just stay home and people cooking became more of a thing, which is a good thing. And the baking of the bread, there was like those fads that like the COVID fads, like the sourdough starters. Oh and yeah, like yeah, yeah. All that stuff. We definitely took part in that. And we were like <laughs> making our own pizzas and like Hell yeah. baking our own bread and all that stuff that I like have never done before. So definitely I agree with that. And the other thing I'll say, and this just happened to me recently, um, there is a restaurant in Chicago that's three Michelin stars and they had a pop up here in Milwaukee and I got to do their takeout for much less than what it would be for us to go there. Now I will say the one kind of weird thing about it was that like, so I knew that we had to like reheat it or heat it up. I didn't realize like that we were actually like, there was like instructions on how to cook everything. And so like I needed like several like saucepans <gasps> and like oh. all the stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like wasn't mm-hmm. expecting that, but it was still really cool to be able to kind of experience this three Michelin star restaurant at home. I still have sure. some of their dessert in the fridge. So that is something that would have never happened. They would have never been doing like, pop-ups for you to take home and they are doing this in chicago and like a lot of other restaurants are doing this for like christmas and stuff too yeah you can take home some gourmet meals where you otherwise wouldn't be able to take take out i think that's incredible i mean and it's also then
0: you know like you said you otherwise wouldn't have paid the cost to go eat at this particular restaurant, and so it's like people are getting this glimpse and this opportunity that they literally could not afford in the past, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really, it's it's really cool. It's really unique, and I think it just speaks to sort of the creativity behind some of the minds that are in the communities, and you know, still trying to figure out how to make their businesses salvageable, and you know, still bring joy to people. I think, and still keep their employees employed. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Um, I think, so you actually, you mentioned something that I think is another playoff of it too, is finding new skills. And so like that bread baking, uh-huh. um, you know, baking in general, cooking, gardening, uh, lots of new arts and crafts. I think that there've been a lot of new businesses that have popped up because of this. I will mention, I have a friend who, she started a, a toilet paper company pre, like at the end of 2019. Little did she know this was all happening or going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What
1: kind of toilet paper company?
0: It's like a, it's like a toilet paper subscription company and her company is called Honeycomb and it's, it's great. And it's a, it's eco-friendly. I know that her toilet paper. So, and I've used it on my own bottom. And it feels good, but you know that's like something that I think you know there are certain types of businesses that maybe uh, needed to reinvent themselves or innovate a little bit more, and I think that sometimes that can be a real positive too. um, Yeah, who who knew the
1: pandemic would cause a toilet paper shortage? That was (laughs) that was very unexpected and also kind of hilarious,
0: unnecessarily
1: so. Yeah,
0: let's invoke panic, right?
1: Yeah, it's It's like what I mean. Your home your home so like you can figure it out if you're really out of paper <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well I mean um I mean I guess all if all fails although oh one funny thing <laughs> one funny thing that I think has come out of this uh, she was also telling me there's been an increase in the number of bidets
1: oh we're going European <laughs>
0: yes and I have to admit to you that as seeing going and seeing a bunch of houses recently, like touring for you know purchasing a house, um, we did see quite a few bidets, but I will also say that we saw a lot of homemade bidets that just had like a hose attached to the side of the toilet.
1: Oh, wow! So,
0: not actually installing like a true bidet, but like a DIY the ghetto version. The Ghetto version. Oh, there was one funny. house that like every toilet had an attached hose, and I was like, "Oh my God, <laughs> where are we wow. but but apparently it is it's more cost effective. You use less toilet paper and it's actually like really sanitary, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just unusual here in the States, but it's all over Europe. and so I think that there have been a an uptick in the number of bidets installed in people's homes. <laughs> people were thinking of alternatives. (laughs) We're adopting, we're adopting new, uh, yeah. New bathroom practices.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what else happened that, Oh, the adopting and fostering of pets. Yes. So yeah, I can speak to that. I mean, the humane societies were like basically sold out. So many pets got Adapted, which is great for those pets, those poor little puppies, and oh yeah, pets and all that stuff. And
0: great for the people too, because then they have companions.
1: Yeah, because everyone's home, you have the time to, you know, potty train and do all that stuff. For, um, yeah, we got a dog, we got a puppy. <laughs> during the pandemic, uh, he's a COVID puppy. Um, he was not from the Humane Society, but in all fairness, I did look and there was like nothing. And I know I have a friend who adopted uh, a dog from the Humane Society and it took her forever. Really? Yeah. That, that was definitely a good thing. Lots of new animals getting homes for sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh, poor little animals. What else you got? I think people had to figure out how to exercise more at home and around their houses. Um, which is also not a bad thing. And so like there was a lot more outdoor activities for a long time. People were doing more biking and hiking and all of that stuff and just being outside more, which is great. Um, So we're in the process of transforming part of our basement into a home gym. And how's that going? uh, It's going well, except it's going to be really hard to get a treadmill down there with our short ceilings because not for me, I'm not tall enough for it to be a problem, but oh for Adam. So that limits our options for treadmills. Oh, interesting. Yes. Something I, I never would about. have thought of
0: that. Mm-mm. Nope.
1: But, uh, we already got our TV. It just got delivered today and you know, things are getting put into place. So yeah, nice. I know yeah and speaking of so much gym equipment has been sold out this year because people were doing oh my God, more working I know. out at home. Yeah. which is great. I shouldn't yeah. complain about that, but
0: I wanted something bigger than four pound free weights at home. I couldn't find any.
1: only on the black market for like fifty bucks a pop, right? yeah,
0: from from that perspective, I'm like, just give me some milk jugs or something, or mm-hmm. I'll just deal with it. It is really great it also has given people an opportunity to maybe experience, like especially when the weather was nice, like go outside more, like you said, like the bike trails and go hiking, go walking more. Although I think, I mean, I think it's hit or miss. I felt like there were a considerable number of people out and about uh, this summer. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I think that, you know, people have really kind of found a new love for like puzzles and board games again.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know, to, as we talked about, like families, like trying to like do things with them with each other um because now everyone is literally just staring, sitting in front of a computer especially if you have young ones who have to do the e-learning stuff and so coming up with other ideas for what to do in the evenings puzzles and board games are really cool <laughs> and offer a great great break from all that blue light coming from our our computers and our phones and things like that so i think that has been a real positive i know i personally i love puzzles But my problem is once I start a puzzle, I just like cannot change my attention. So like, I just have to finish it right away, which is good and bad.
1: Yeah, no, we haven't done puzzles, but we're really into like boggle and the word game, Scrabble and things like that. So speaking of electronics, many of us uh, had to adapt to working from home. However, the silver lining to that is... Your wardrobe becomes much less <laughs> of an issue, and you know the sweatpants and the just like comfy T-shirts forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I think that people have become more uh, are accepting more. Like, you're in a meeting, but you've got like your kids in the background, or you know, your dog is barking, or like all this other stuff that you just can't control. That before would have been so taboo, and now everyone's like, "Yep, yeah, fuck it." <laughs> So true. So true. Um,
0: I think, uh, yeah, I definitely, I mean, I've been remote for a long time. So like I didn't have an experience where like it was a drastic shift and change and things like that. But it certainly has been, I mean, nice and just sort of relieving to have other people now kind of be in the same the mm-hmm. same element uh, that I have been in for a while. I think the other thing that's really cool that has come out of something that's positive. I admit I haven't looked into this too much, but like museums are now doing virtual tours, and I think mm-hmm. we talked about this several episodes ago too. Because yeah. you know, with the museums, some have had to shut down. Some some have just had to limit the number of visitors, which impacts you know like their bottom line and things like that. But it also then you know kind of short changes. All of the people who could be, you know, participating and experiencing the art, the the history, the everything. Mm -hmm. So they've actually opened up collections to audiences virtually, which I think is really amazing because no longer do you actually have to travel to a said place to go to these museums, maybe to see like very specific items or anything like that. You can do it virtually from the comfort of your own home, which is really, really cool.
1: Yeah. I haven't, I haven't taken that opportunity, but I should for sure. Um, speaking of virtual stuff, we have to talk about virtual wine tastings. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. That's been so cool. Cause so many wine tastings have, um, been virtual giving you access to, and some of them you can access at any time, which is also really cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to admit, I think that it's I found it a little surprising when we had some local places who just started offering them for free. I mean, they still are selling the wines that they are, you know, essentially tasting at those wine tastings. But, you know, for me being pregnant, it's actually still really cool because I can still listen and learn and, you know, glean something about these particular wines, locations like regions and things like that. And I don't have to feel bad about (laughs) paying a bunch of money for something that I can't even drink. Um, Right. Because they're free. I mean, there are other ones that certainly charge, you know, I think by comparison, nominal fees to what they usually do. Even like our friends at Jessup sellers, right? They're doing virtual tastings and they're doing like virtual tastings and partnerships. And I think even like live music too, uh, while they do it. So, you know, it is really, really cool because it again kind of brings you to the vineyards or you to the wine shops so that you yeah. can continue to learn and expand your own wine knowledge. But at the same time, a lot of these places are also offering discounts on the wines that they're tasting. And so, you know, free shipping or 10% off the bottles or something like that, which I think is also really cool because. If they do that, I mean, normally I would feel bad about just ordering like a few bottles from someplace. Um, I'd want to be like, Ooh, I kind of want to get like a half case, but then I don't actually want to get a half case or a case. And so I don't end up buying it, but these are like perfect excuses to get, you know, fewer bottles. It's a nice little discount there. Yeah. Have you done, have you done any virtual tastings that were really like outstanding?
1: I think they've all been good. I don't know if any have been outstanding. Um, I when can't... did you
0: do the one, the Michigan one? I've done a
1: few from the virtual one. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, they've all been really good, but I, I don't know if they've been phenomenal. We, they did, there was one where they did and like the person, the winemaker from Italy was actually on, which was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, so like they, the guy stayed up to kind of be on our Oh yeah, thing. because of the yeah. time
0: difference. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I was watching. Um, it was like an interview. Like I've watched um, a few things from Karen McNeil, and she mm-hmm. interviewed Lara. I think Catena from Catena Wines oh, down yeah. in Argentina. Mm-hmm. She was. She was great. She was fantastic to listen to, and I had She's only watched
1: a Netflix I special. I think is it Netflix or does she? Yeah, there's a there is a Catina wine like documentary.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I don't have Netflix, so I don't know.
1: I don't know if it's Netflix. I can't Shoot, remember. We're missing out. Yeah, it might not be. <laughs> Wait, or Amazon. didn't you tell
0: me that Katina and was it Bonterra? Were those uh-huh. two featured in something? Yeah, and That's, it was like organic yeah. wine. Mm-hmm. I think that was on Netflix. I want to say okay. that you told me about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, The holidays are still going on, and I can tell you that people are definitely celebrating because we went to go get a tree, like, early December, and everything was gone. People were just, I mean, people have been, you know, starting Christmas earlier than usual this year to try and get in the spirit. I know I have really enjoyed
0: just driving around and seeing, like, all of the lights. There's one house that I love to see. It looks like it has, like, a tree that goes from the inside all the way out, outside, like on the roof. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it. I love the decorations. I don't have any up here and I'm so sad about it.
1: Well, you're a little bit in limbo. So I think that that is a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, expected. But I think,
0: yeah, but I think people are definitely looking like for the holidays to bring, bring the holiday cheer around, you know? Yeah.
1: Anything else before we go into our personal 2020 Uh, fun? No,
0: I think to some extent, I think I'd include myself in this category, but I think people have like started to realize that it's okay to take time for yourself and to like turn off, you know? And so if it's like a matter of, you know, again, doing a puzzle or a board game instead of, you know, staring at your phone and scrolling through after you've been, um, you know, on your commute or something like that. It's okay to like sit and read a book or sit and talk to somebody or have like another zoom chat, not a work related one, but to like connect, like reconnect with people. And Mm -hmm. I think that that has been something that, you know, people often, I feel like, and we've talked about this on other episodes too, but something that often gets overlooked by individuals is just the importance of self-care. And so Mm -hmm. I think that people have really taken this as an opportunity to maybe try to incorporate some of that into their regular lives, into their routine to help ward off any, you know, real negative feelings about what's going on. So I think that's been a positive and You know, even if it is just snuggling up and watching a movie too, like to be able to shut your brain off from everything is
1: (laughs) it's it's invaluable. Yeah. For sure. And I think that, you know, people know have been um fostering their family relationships more than ever this year. Yeah. So, you know, you you there isn't the running around. It's just not happening. So you have to like kind of, you know, take a look at home and family. Um, Jamie, before we close out here, tell me about a couple of your milestones for the year. Well, this year has been
0: a pretty interesting one. Probably one, one of the sad but positive things that happened to me is my company closed. Yep. That was a little upsetting. It was a rough start to the year, although we didn't officially close until the summer, but I did get a new job out of it and it's been going well. So that is a positive. Another positive is, you know,
1: The obvious baby on the way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That is, you know, some silver linings. And I have had a a pretty decent pregnancy this whole time. So I was not like vomiting my brains (laughs) out the whole time. So I'm happy about that. And you know, we're we're looking for a house, which is super, super stressful. But I know in the long run, things will be we, we are looking for a house and we are hopefully going to get one. Um, but we will kind of see where things fall with that.
1: What about you? Nesting. Nesting. Um, well, we did get our puppy Winston, who's been so much fun and kept us us busy during, you know, the pandemic, especially when you couldn't see people, he really kept us, you know, laughing and that kind of thing. Um, the potty training was rough, but we got through it. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, no, he's, and he honestly was we were so back and forth between dogs and we definitely made the right choice. Um, yes. So thank, thankful for that. I actually was in Hawaii when the pandemic hit. So at the four seasons, so that was a real fun time. Uh, it was a really nice, like, I guess, go out with a bang. Right. Um, Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we flew when we flew like two days before the country, like completely shut down. So Jeez. uh it was crazy. was impeccable. We were, yeah, that week <laughs> we were gone is when like everything was happening and nobody in Hawaii was talking about it. We were just having I was sitting at the Four Seasons with a drink in my hand, watching over the ocean, watching whales jump around. Like, yeah. I mean That sounds nice. It was a real nice way, I guess, to jump into this experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, we did get that nice trip. We've been, you know, as many people having more house projects, like I just said, at the home gym, we're getting windows changed. We had our balcony completely redone. So, and uh, yeah, I have twin nieces on the way. So that's going to be exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So those are some good things that happened this year. Um, and I am very much looking forward to closing this year out and starting 2021 hopefully, you know, it's going to be a good year for all of us.
0: Yes. I mean, I certainly hope so. I hope that if it could be like a light switch and just like flip on like to the positivity, Mm -hmm. like that would be fantastic.
1: But I, but I
0: think again, it's, it's sort of one of the things that I've learned a little bit more this year than, you know, more so than in years past is just to kind of like take a step back, reflect on things, you know, realize like it's not horrible. Like we will make it through situations. Like we're all strong individuals. You just sometimes have to dig a little bit deeper to find that strength and to find that silver lining. And I think that, you know, when, when, when people are able to do that, like when I'm able to do that, it just makes things a lot easier and manageable and you can just like bite off little chunks at a time. And so, you know, I think for everything that's happened this year, I still, I think I'm taking away a lot of positives that maybe that's just like the baby brain thinking. I don't know, but, um, (laughs) they, they say you get really forgetful and it's started to happen, but, um, But 2020, uh, uh, bye-bye, uh, welcome, welcoming, uh, 2021 for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I will drink to that. Yeah. Let's tell us more about the wine again. I think I'm, no, nothing is new popping up. I think I'm sticking with my original. So I'm just going to keep sipping away at this baby. And, um, yeah, I will look forward, Jamie, to 2021 when you'll be drinking again with me.
0: Soon soon. It can't come soon enough. Yeah. Um, Yes, it can. I take it back. She can stay in there and cook a little bit longer. Uh, I'm cool with that. But yeah, no, soon we will, we will make arrangements and make plans for for the fun that will ensue. So to all of our listeners, thank you for listening this year. We went to a less frequent format just because of kind of all of the craziness that was going on here and all of the the secrets that we were hiding from you too. And we hope that you have found some opportunities to reflect and find some good that happened in your lives this past year. And wish you the best in 2021. Stay healthy, everyone. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram
1: at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dvpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers from the girls of DVP.